these things are just happening. They're not happening to me. They're just happening. And it's part of life. It happens to everybody. And there's nothing so special about me that nothing negative will ever happen again. It's how I handle it that matters. And that's another saying I heard so many times before recovery that I had no fucking idea what it meant. It's not what happens to you. It's how you handle it that determines the quality of your life. I got that theoretically. I just didn't really get it. Hi, I'm Barb Nangle. I want to welcome you to my podcast, Fragmented to Whole Life Lessons from 12-Step Recovery, where I help people heal their emotional, psychological, and spiritual wounds and make deep, lasting changes in their lives. I'm the founder and CEO of Higher Power Coaching and Consulting, LLC, where I coach people on how to develop healthy boundaries. On this podcast, I share my experience, strength, and hope from recovery. I don't support or endorse any particular 12-step recovery fellowship, and I don't claim to speak for any particular 12-step fellowship. I also don't believe that 12-step recovery is the only way to recover. You might need additional help. My hope is that you'll find my words concretely helpful in improving your life, whether you're in recovery or not. This is episode 166. Here's what it looks like to live your life on life's terms, not life on Barb's terms. I heard someone say the other day, are you spiritually fit or are things just going your way? Well, I have to tell you, this past week was one of those weeks that things really just didn't go my way, and it showed me that I am definitely more spiritually fit than I used to be. In other words, I've learned to live life on life's terms. So I had a few things happen this past week that may not seem like a big deal to some of you, but to be honest with you, they're fucking huge deals for me. As I've gone through them, I've thought, who the fuck am I? I cannot believe I can handle this shit and just take it in stride. So thing number one is that my sweetheart and I decided we were going to go to the movies to see Top Gun the other night. Last weekend, we watched the original version, so we were prepared to see it at the theater And when we first started the conversation, I said, let's go to the North Haven Theater because they have the cushy seats. But he wanted to go to the New Haven Theater because it's closer. So I looked up the times that it was playing and it started later in New Haven. So we decided we would go and Tuesday night and that worked better for me to go to the later show and we decided to go to New Haven. We also decide we'd meet at the theater and then afterwards we'd go to his house. So at 6.45, I texted him to say, I'm on my way to the theater. And then I'm pretty sure I also texted him when I got there and said, I'm in the lobby. I was sitting in the lobby playing with my phone. And at 7.31, I saw that at 7.29, he had texted me and he said, I'm at the New Haven Theater but I realize I need to head to North Haven. So I called him immediately and he didn't answer. And then I sent him a text and said, I'm going to stay here till I hear from you. So in a little while, he called me and he was like, I am at the end of my rope. And I said, yeah, I can imagine. He said, I'm going to go home. And I said, I'll meet you there. So I got to his house and his car was already there. And I was like, how the hell did he get here before me? So I went in the house looking for him, and it turned out that he took a motorcycle, which totally explains why he didn't answer his phone when I called. 
And when he got home, I was waiting in the driveway for him and he had a frown on his face, which for this man to be on two wheels with a frown on his face, that is not good because there's nothing that puts a smile on his face like being on two wheels. And I was like, wow, you look really sad. He said, I'm done in. I am just done. So we went into the house and he sat down to take off his motorcycle boots And when he got up, I said, can we hug? And he said, I'm not there yet. And I said, okay, do you want me to go occupy myself for a little while? And he said, yeah. So I went in the bedroom and read for a while. And a little while later, I don't know, maybe 45 minutes to an hour, he came in and he said, okay, I'm slowed down now. Now, I got to be honest with you. I cannot believe that it didn't even phase me that we didn't meet up at the movies And that it didn't bother me that all that was a misunderstanding. And then the fact that I wanted to hug and he didn't want one and said, I'm not there yet. And I was just like, okay. And I totally honored it. And I didn't take it personally. And I didn't make it mean anything about me or the status of our relationship. It really struck me the next day when I was listening to a podcast that was about attachment styles and how people who have anxious attachment styles go toward people, especially when stressed, and people who have avoidant styles go away from people, especially when stressed. And I never really thought about his and my attachment styles before, but then I was like, oh, I was being anxious and he was being avoidant, but not really in an unhealthy way. And we both honored our own and each other's styles. That is amazing. I didn't make it all about me. I didn't make it about our relationship. It was clear that he was just done in by all the stimuli and all that kind of stuff. So, okay, that happened. And that in itself is just astonishing. Before recovery, there is no fucking way that wouldn't have turned into a huge fight that probably would have lasting effects for weeks. And the next morning we talked about it and I said to him, you know, I know you didn't know me before I'm recovery, but it is a fucking miracle that I didn't even get phased by the whole movie thing last night and that you needed alone time and I didn't make it about me and then punish you for needing alone time. So I just want you to know how amazing this is. Then not long after that conversation, I was getting ready to leave and I could not find my car keys. So here's the thing, people. I am the kind of person who has a spot for my car keys. And that spot is in the silver zippered pocket on the outside of my purse. Not the black zippered pocket, but the silver zippered pocket. And the fact that I couldn't find them was amazing because a long, long time ago, I decided that never for the rest of my damn life am I ever going to rummage around in the bottom of my purse for my keys. And I don't understand why other people deal with that shit. So that means I have a specific place for my keys And that's where I put them. Maybe not 100% of the time, but probably 95% of the time, especially if I am not at home. So I can't find them anywhere. And it turns out they're in my car. And it looks like they fell out of the pocket of my purse onto the seat of my car. 
Well, my spare key is with my friend Hope, who lives over on the other side of town near me. And I'm like, oh, shit, I got to call Hope. And he says to me, listen, just take my car. I have motorcycles. I can go anywhere if I need to. Just don't worry about it. So I was like, okay, great. So I text Hope. I say, I'm going to need my keys. Then later in the day, I go to the co-working place where I'm about to do a presentation with a colleague online for the entrepreneur in residence at the New Haven Library. And we're supposed to sign on at 1145 to start the live stream at 12. And it's like 1140. And I knock my computer on the floor. And the part of the power cord that plugs into the computer bends in such a way that it will not plug into the computer. And my computer is on fucking fumes. It's got no juice left. So I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do? So I go downstairs to Luis and Luis is Mr. IT guy. And I'm like, Luis, I am having a tech emergency. My computer cord is no longer working. My battery is not charged. Is there a laptop I can borrow? I'm about to do a workshop. And he's like, absolutely. He gives it to me and I go and I do the presentation and it works out just fine. And I use the laptop for the rest of the day. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I've done this twice before, not once, twice. I've knocked my computer over and the plug bends so that it won't fit into the computer anymore. And in the past, I ordered the new cords online, but this time I had the idea, wait, I can go to North Haven to Best Buy and get one. So I call Best Buy. Sure enough, they have it. I order it online. I pay for it. I drive to North Haven in my sweetheart's car. And while I'm there, I remember I need to get a journal and there's a Barnes and Noble right near Best Buy. So then I was like, wait a minute, I need a couple other things. I'm going to go to Target. So I go to Target, I find a journal and I realize, oh, wait, I need another yoga shirt. I can get that while I'm here. And I knew there was something else that I needed, but I couldn't think of what it was. So I said, God, show me your will for me and give me the power to carry it out. And I turn around and kick my foot into a little tiny, small basketball while I'm in the stationary aisle, not the basketball aisle. And I thought, oh, that's right. I need a ball to do my physical therapy with. And the thing is like $3. Then I also find the exact kind of water bottle that I've been looking for. I like a water bottle to have all these certain specifications And I think I've only ever had one other water bottle in my life that ticked all the boxes for me. And I found one there. Well, I wouldn't have gotten any of these things had I not gone to Target, which I wouldn't have gone to had I not gone to Best Buy, which I wouldn't have done had I not knocked the computer off the table. On top of that, I am lucky enough that I work at a place that has a spare damn laptop. And I have a sweetheart who has a car that I can just use because he's got a bunch of motorcycles. So these kinds of things, locking my keys in the car, breaking the cord for the third time, that is the kind of shit that would have taken me down in the past. I would have been so angry and so upset. And I realize this is the kind of shit that people are talking about in recovery when they say, we live life on life's 
terms. I remember years ago, well before recovery, I was in a spiritual sharing circle with a guy who was in AA, and he used to share recovery sayings all the time. Half the time, I didn't know what he was talking about. One of them was life on life's terms. Now, I knew what those words meant, but I had no concept of what the saying meant to live life on life's terms. Well, his name was Bruce, and he would say, it's life on life's terms, not life on Bruce's terms. Well, now I deeply understand what it means to live life on life's terms. It means sometimes you go to the wrong movie theater. Sometimes you have miscommunication. Sometimes you lock your keys in the car. Sometimes you break the cord on your computer for the third damn time. And sometimes a whole bunch of that shit happens right in a row. And that is just life. That's just what happens. These kinds of things happen to everybody. And if I'm going to allow that shit to take my serenity away, then I'm going to have a shitty life. But I didn't know that it was an option to be serene when these kinds of things happened before I got into recovery. Because what I saw from all the people around me was that you got pissed off about things like that. As I'm talking, I'm realizing that is victim mentality. I was just talking with a sponsee about this stuff tonight, that when we have the mentality of a victim, we see life as happening at us or to us. So if I had been in victim mentality with my sweetheart, I would have seen it as it happened to me that we miscommunicated and he didn't come to the right theater. And it happened to me that my keys fell out of my purse. And it happened to me that the laptop fell on the ground because gravity works. But instead, I realized these things are just happening. They're not happening to me. They're just happening. And it's part of life. It happens to everybody. And there's nothing so special about me that nothing negative will ever happen again. It's how I handle it that matters. And that's another saying I heard so many times before recovery that I had no fucking idea what it meant. It's not what happens to you. It's how you handle it that determines the quality of your life. I got that theoretically. I just didn't really get it. So this, people, is what it looks like to live life on life's terms, not life on Barb's terms. And I will leave you with my philosophy of life. Sometimes good shit happens and sometimes bad shit happens. Sometimes a whole bunch of good shit happens in a row and sometimes a whole bunch of bad shit happens in a row. Rest assured, good shit will happen and bad shit will happen to everyone. It's how you manage it, not whether good things or bad things happen that determines the quality of your life. They will happen. If you're ready to finally have an enjoyable, relaxing summer doing things you really want to do, instead of always following other people's agendas, I have some openings for private clients right now. If you are really tired of saying yes to things you really don't want to do and being overly accommodating to others, 
this is for you. It's time to start accommodating yourself. Maybe you're dissatisfied with your relationships and overwhelmed with all kinds of difficult feelings because of your interactions with others. If you'd like to get your life in order before the summer hits, go to barbchat.net and sign up for a free 30-minute call with me about my private coaching so we can get started right away. That way, you'll be done by summer. This is for people who are finally ready to make deep, lasting changes in their relationship patterns, including their relationships with themselves, their partners, family, friends, and colleagues. Go to barbchat.net. If you like this podcast, and I'm guessing you did or you wouldn't still be listening, then you're going to love the other things I have to offer. If you'd love pre-release podcast scripts and episodes before anyone else gets them, or if you'd love access to content from my private vault that I developed exclusively for my private clients, which is like having a work session with me without me actually being there, go to patreon.com slash higher power coaching. There are three tiers ranging from as low as $4 up to $24 a month. You'll also love my weekly newsletter, Friday Fragments, which has content very similar to the podcast. You can check it out at fridayfragments.news. That's fridayfragments.news. Please like and subscribe to my podcast on your favorite podcast outlet. I'd also love it if you'd leave a review, which you can do either in the show notes or on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find my podcast so they can get the benefits you've gotten from listening. If someone came to mind when you listened to this particular episode, please share it with them. And my favorite place to hang out on social media is Instagram. I'm at Higher Power Coaching. Please DM me there. I'd love to hear what you got from this episode. I run group and private coaching programs on building healthy boundaries. Whether you need help with boundaries in your personal, professional, or romantic life, I can help. Head on over to barbchat.net where you can hop onto my calendar for a free 30-minute Better Boundaries consultation. My ideal client is someone who is ripe for change. If that's you, I would love to work with you. My goal with all my work is to help you make lasting changes in your life like I've made deep lasting changes in my life. Remember, it's never too late to recover. No one is beyond hope and healing is possible. Thanks for listening.